welcome back to See and Free Studio. This is the place where we like to highlight what makes each of us unique, special, and different. You know, one of the silver linings of the past year, which has been a, a rough one for many people, uh, is that you can reconnect with people that maybe you haven't talked to in a while. And our next guest is, is one of those people for me. We met in seventh grade social studies class in Kingwood, Texas. And now uh, both of us are what I call Texpats, uh, expats from Texas. Aisha Sultan is a nationally syndicated columnist, award-winning filmmaker, and features writer. She's been featured in The Atlantic, Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post and has received several awards for her writing. Uh, she really focuses on education, families, and inequality. And I've really enjoyed reading everything she's been writing in the, the last few years. And I want to welcome Aisha Sultan. Thank you. It's so good to connect with you again after so many years. But because of social media nowadays, and you can kind of keep an eye on what people are doing, I feel like we've been in touch without actually having a chance to talk before. It's true. It's very true. I know. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 a blessing and a curse, right? That you 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 are inundated uh, with all of the social media aspects, but then you get to catch up with people that you haven't gotten to talk to in such a long time. And I'm so glad I I get to do that with you today. You know, Aisha, um, tell people where are you and what are you doing these days? So I'm based in St. Louis, Missouri. And before the pandemic, I would actually travel quite a bit, um, speak, doing speaking events, screening the film, um, you know, talking to different groups, moderating panels. But since the pandemic, we've been pretty grounded here in the Midwest in St. Louis. And so I write a weekly column for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch that runs in some other markets too. And about four years ago, I decided just, <laughs> I had, I wanted to tell stories in another format as well, another medium. And so I started making independent films and now I'm working on my third short film. And uh, I have two teenage kids. My husband and I <laughs> are in the throes of all that high school, everything. And um, yeah, my family's still all in Texas. So we just have a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, well, that's fantastic. I also have a teenager. Uh, this whole full-on puberty thing, <laughs> we will make it together. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, you know, I read um, The Teenage Brain, which I thought was a great book because it helped me understand a lot about the biochemistry and just the physiology of what being a teenager is like right now. And uh, I wish I'd read it years before. I wish I'd read it when my kids were 10. I think it would have made... Uh, you know, 11, 12, 13, easier for me, you know. <laughs> well, there's some great advice. <laughs> we need to tell people to read this book. If you haven't gotten to the teenage years or you're in that tween years, this is the time to do yeah. it. I'll have to go find it now and do some uh, retroactive uh, parenting, I think. Um, you know, Aisha, this, this whole show for me is about highlighting what makes people unique, special, and different. And it was important to me, especially over this past year when the world seemed a lot uh, seemed uncertain for a lot of people that they they could rely on what's certain about themselves, uh, and and that's that thing that drives them, and that's one of the reasons I decided to do this. And so I would love to hear from you what your USD or your unique, special, and different is. So I think there's uh, two things. One is just a raging curiosity. Um, and that has been the foundation of my career and kind of the way I navigate the world and what makes me happy. Um, and then the other is knowing that I have 
deeply held beliefs that I'm very passionate about and discussing with others, sharing with others, convincing others. Um, that's something else that I had to recognize about myself and realize that I wasn't going to feel truly fulfilled at work unless I was in a space where I could utilize both these parts of myself. And I think, you know, you obviously know this, that work is such a huge part of our life. And if you are lucky enough to derive meaning and purpose from it, then, I mean, that's kind of living the dream, I think. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, being able to use your USD in your work when it is such a big part of your life is something that I've always aspired to do. Um, and it sounds like you have as well. You talked about this, like, discover, you had to discover this about yourself. Was there a moment for you where you discovered this is, this is your USD, this, co this unique combination, and you, um, you definitely wanted to take it to the next level? Well, you know, I think when you are a young adult and you're trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life and you're, you have so many competing, um, you have so many things pulling at you in different directions, like societal parental expectations, uh, perhaps what your peers are doing, what you think you ought to be doing. So I, um, and I had a deep interest when I was in college in Texas in sociology and um, the way the world works, the way society works, the way power works in society. So I majored in sociology and international studies and I studied abroad. I was really interested in the way the world works. Um, and so I thought that I was gonna go to graduate school and I got into a, a master's program at the University of Chicago, uh, which was great in this area, in this field. And I thought eventually I'd get a PhD and maybe write some books and um, teach I'm really excited about ideas. You know, if you, I don't know if you know what that feels like, but it's just like so thrilling and exciting to be able to experience or see the world or think about the world in a new way. And that's what made me feel most alive. So when I was in graduate school, I realized I had, I had done internships at newspapers. I worked in my college papers and I really missed being in the newsroom because it wasn't just about the idea, Jen. It was about being able to communicate and share those ideas with a larger group of people. And it was in connection, in the connection that I made with other people in the process of sharing ideas and talking about things. And that realization did not come to me immediately because um, I was offered, just by chance, um, an internship at the Wall Street Journal in their Dallas bureau. They tracked me down in Chicago and asked me if I wanted to do it word of mouth from someone else who I'd worked with. And I said, yeah, sure. And so the summer that I should have been writing my master's thesis, I went to go work at the journal. And then after that, I was like, you know what? I don't know that I want to go back to grad school. I'm enjoying this a lot more than what I was doing in academia. And I felt like, well, I can take a temporary break. And that's one thing I've done a lot in my career and my life is I don't feel like anything is forever. Like I have to do this job this way forever, or I'm locked into this city forever. I always sort of think I'm going to keep doing this while it is meaningful and enjoy enjoyable for me, and I'm getting something out of it. And then when I feel like I've stagnated or I've gotten to, I've gotten what I can out of it, then I'm going to do something different. And so I sort of became an accidental journalist, an accidental writer. It was never what I studied. I never took a single journalism class, but I followed this flow of. Um, what excited me. I really sort of just went with it. 
I don't know. Does that make sense? It, it completely makes sense. And, uh, and I, I love that story because it also speaks volumes to the fact that your USD is, while it's great to have it as something that you leverage within your job, it's more than that, right? Because it's, it's, it's the qualities about you that you are able to take you know, from, from studying sociology to going in into writing and then just flourishing in your career. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 love, I love that. Um, and I think sometimes we don't always take time to see the world the way you did, which was like things that we enjoy. Uh, I tell people all the time, I'm like, there's energy sucking things that we can do. <laughs> And there's energy boosting things that we can do. And sometimes we get really stuck on the energy sucking and we don't do enough of the energy boosting. And you you chased after it, my friend, and, and it has worked out really well. I have had a couple of opportunities to do other things while at my job um, at the Post. And I remember there was one particular crossroads. And, you know, print media has been a very precarious industry for a long time because media has changed so much. And the market has changed so much for it. So, you know, there was a lot of anxiety around, oh, you know, do I want to stay in a newspaper for this long or should I go explore this other thing? And a former editor um, said to me, I mean, I was asking him for advice. He said, figure out what specifically you love about what you do now and what you what you don't like about what you do now. Really think about it and then think about how much of what you love you'll get to do in this other opportunity. And um, you know, sometimes when you want a completely different path, you don't, you might not realize that, oh, I really truly love um, leading a team or mentoring other people because I haven't done that as much in this current role. Um, but, you know, you find ways to do, to, to try different things. But still, I thought that was such great advice. And um, I'm a super reflective person. Like I think about my life experiences and uh, I make lists all the time, like all kinds of lists about all kinds of things. And so I feel as though it just helps me um, know where I'm life and where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, thank you for that. Cause I mean, just exploring that process, um, you know, the introspection that you're doing and then how it manifests into, um, into your writing and, and, and other forms of um, expression, which, and I, and I do I definitely want to talk about your film here in a little bit. Um, was there any t time though you can remember where you felt like you had to use this USD to get you through a particularly tough challenge, uh, you know, where things were, weren't as clear and you didn't, you weren't having those, that enjoyment moment um, and you yeah. had to really lean, lean heavily on it. Yeah. I think anytime you've had a career of 20 plus years, you're going to have times where you're just like, what am I doing? Like I, this is not, you know, I'm not happy with what I'm doing right now. And um, I certainly had a moment about 10, 11 years ago um, where I felt I felt pulled in so many directions, like spread so thin. Um, I was working on several projects at work. So in addition to writing the column, my kids were school-aged, like young school-aged kids. My husband has a very demanding job. I was involved in several community organizations and leadership ways. And, you know, that period of life just, and I had a ton of social obligations. Um, it felt frenetic, exhausting, anxiety-making. Um, it made me feel very resentful about the division of labor in my house um, because I felt like I was just caring and doing too much. Um, and I also felt like these social 
relationships, which should have been what were refueling me, felt like obligations that were depleting me. And so what I did was um, I said I needed to commit social suicide. So I applied for a fellowship outside of St. Louis at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And it took me out of the newsroom for 10 months. It took me out of St. Louis. And my kids and I went and um, my husband commuted. He came on the weekends because he couldn't leave his job for that long. And I took a leave of absence at work. And I spent a year researching deeply and taking classes at the university um, and not publishing. And I really needed that sabbatical. Um, I needed to, I needed, I needed it so much more than I even knew. Um, and it was a pivotal moment in my life because I don't know that I would have stayed, I would, would have been able to sustain the path that I was on had I not taken that 10 month break. Yeah. There, and we've had a few guests come on and talk about that. And I've been doing that myself. I, I took my very, my very first job, Aisha, <laughs> was at Mr. Mm-hmm. Gaddy's Pizza on Kingwood, yes. or Kingwood okay. Drive. Yep. Um, it, when I was 15 and I had been working since then, I, I love to work. And, and, and those breaks are so important because it, it either helps you like one, reflect on what you, what's working for you or not working for you, or it helps you to recommit to those things. And it sounds like you did that. Yeah. And it gave me, I mean, you know, sometimes your brain and your spirit needs to uh, rest and recharge in order for you to be, especially if you're a creative person in the creative field. Like I constantly have you to come up with a new column every week or stories every other week. You know, you just have to churn out a lot of ideas. And if you want them to be any good, you have to have a little, sometimes you need an extended percolation time in your brain. Yeah, yeah, you just need, you just need that moment to check out. Um, well, this is a point in the, in the interview when I like to ask a random question. And the, and the cool thing about it is that you get to pick a number <laughs> between one and okay. 25, and that gives us the question. So what's your number? 18. 18, all right. All right, ooh, okay, if you could consult one person who is no longer with us, who would it be and what would you ask? Okay, uh, consult one person who's no longer with us. Who would it be and who, what would you ask? Um, you know, my temptation um, as a person of faith would be to want to consult um, someone who's considered a prophet in my faith, either, you know, Moses, Abraham, Jesus, or Muhammad, uh, because so much of that informs the way I see the world and um, my own values as a human being. Um, So I would say probably one of the great religious figures, uh, you know, in in our monotheistic um, faith. And then I... I'm so curious about this idea of God and our relationship with God um, and how religion um, been such a force for so many things in this world. So I think I would just, I would love to be able to meet with these like leaders that really changed the course of civilization and history um, and just be able to have a conversation. I love it. I love it. And um, 
And I do know that actually, I remember that about you and how important your faith is and um, how it informs uh, what you talked about early on, which is the value system, you know, and, and holding on to that value system. And um, I, I, I would love to learn <laughs> from that, those conversations. I can just imagine that. And, um, and I think that would be really, really great. Um, you know, Aisha, yeah. one so, of the things, go ahead. I was raised, I was raised um, in a Muslim family and that, and I, you know, I joke sometimes about how in our high school of 3000 kids, uh, there were like three Muslims and I was related to one of them. And so, you know, I mean, uh, we, there were not very many Muslims in um, Houston, Texas when I was growing up in that suburb um, that we grew up in. And it taught me how to be an outsider. And there are also not very many people of color. It was a mostly Correct. white yeah. Christian community. Um, and I came from a working class family and it was mostly a middle class to upper middle class community. So in every way possible, from like ethnicity to race, to religion, to socioeconomic status, I always felt like I was on the outside of that community. That's not to say I didn't develop lasting friendships and ties, I did, but um, it, it taught me how to be an observer and a witness in this world, which is what I do for my work now. And so I feel like, you know, those foundational transformative things that happen to us as children, we should pay attention to them and realize how they guide and inform like what we end up doing. Yes, yes, and and, and turn turn it into a strength because you've done exactly. that. I mean, you talked about that, you know, your curiosity, uh, your unending, uh, insatiable curiosity. And, um, and I, that story resonates with me quite a bit because uh, you're right. It, it it was a very kind of conformist community, um, and um, to stand out, you know, uh, actually is, was turns out to be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, although it was difficult. I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Like a difficult place to grow up if you are very different from everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think you know you have kids. I would love to know as they're growing up and you want to give them some advice about how to stay true to their unique, special and different, you know, what, what advice do you give or would you give? So now my kids are in age where they don't want to hear any advice from me <laughs> because <laughs> you know, they know way more than I do. Um, but I think rather than giving them any advice, um, I want them to know that I can see things in them that are, special and that are um, so filled with potential and it doesn't have anything to do with what they're doing or achieving it has to do with like who they are as human beings and so I do like to on occasion point out to them that I see them you know I see them for more than their grades more than their activities and um and I, and I love them um, and, I, and I believe in them. And I think that if you have parents or adults in your life, um, teachers, whoever, who feel like, you feel like, oh, this person sees me and they believe in me, well, then you have a tremendous foundation for whatever you wanna do in this world. Yes, yes. and. You know, parents, uh, that's an important message, sometimes a difficult one. I know I struggle with that because I'm all about seeing and freeing, but when, when it's your own kid, sometimes I'm like, whew, but you have potential that you're not living up to, um, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. 
it's sometimes Absolutely. it's hard because I was like, I'm super impatient. Why aren't you getting it? Um, but what you said is yeah. right. Like just seeing them for who they are and appreciating that is, is so important. It's such a fundamental human need. Like I want people to see me and appreciate me and I want to feel known by people, like understood, you know? It doesn't change, it doesn't stop once you're in adolescence. Um, I feel like it's always, it's always there. Yes, yeah, it is. And, um, you know, I, I want to I talk to you about something because you, you mentioned earlier that you've gone into filmmaking um, and mm -hmm. uh, bring, I mean, and that's a whole different way for people to experience your story, your message. Um, mm -hmm. And I would love to hear a little bit about what's coming up next for you. Sure. So um, the first film I made was a narrative short. It was like about 10 minutes long. It was a, a script, a made up story that I wrote the script and then, you know, hired the actors and a director and the whole deal. And just like, you know, it was totally learning, new learning experience for me. It was amazing. And then the second film I made was um, a documentary, a true crime documentary about a woman who's serving a license in a prison in Missouri. And that was more of my wheelhouse because it was fact-based and a ton of interviews and it was recreating the story and raising questions about the investigation and her incarceration. And so now the third project I'm working on is also a documentary, but um, it's more intimate. It's about how a woman who, a single mom who lives in probably the most underserved zip code and one of the most violent zip codes in our area has been trying to homeschool her children through this pandemic. And it's been very difficult because, you know, before I got vaccinated, it was not very safe to bring in a crew and um, yet to let a story unfold in front of people, you need to be able to capture what's happening. So that's sort of been a challenge, but that's what I'm working on now. I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, when do you, do you have a release date yet? No, not yet. We're st actually still in post-production. And that's the other thing I've realized is that unlike a news story, which you can like, you know, write and then immediately post online or it's in the next day's paper, the film takes so much longer. <laughs> it takes so much longer. There's pre-production, then production, then post-production. And so I'm hoping um, within a few months, I'll be able to like put it online at least or have it on some websites where people can see it. And I'll yeah. definitely share a link. Oh, good, good. I will, and we will promote it uh, on our site as well. So I, I'd love to see it. And um, and if you haven't seen Aisha's other films, please go back and watch those uh, as well as uh, read her read her column. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed reading your column this past year. It's been a, been a year of news for sure. <laughs> uh, and you've done an excellent job covering it. Thanks. Well, you know, we went through, I mean, that's the other thing is that a lot of times I will share significant things that are happening in my life. And, you know, my husband got really sick with COVID this past year. He worked, he's a healthcare worker and I also got COVID from him. And um, I had very strong opinions about the way that we've handled um, the pandemic in this country, the way our leaders have handled the pandemic, the way personally we've responded to what's required of us to keep other people safe. So, and now as the vaccine rolls out, have a, a lot of strong opinions about how that's going. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I've been writing about these issues for a while now. And actually, Jen, I'll be really happy when I don't have to think about this so much anymore, when we can move on to other things as well. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's it, it's consumed all of our lives. It's turned all of our lives upside down. It has. It has. And, and it has also made us 
all think about our health differently um, and our life, I think, just, you know, uh, differently. Um, and uh, that actually brings us to uh, the organization that you're supporting. Um, I would love for you to talk about, is it the Lymphoma Research Foundation? Um, yes. And kind of why that's important to you um, and, and why that's a particular health, uh, you know, cause that you want to highlight. Sure. So uh, my father was diagnosed with lymphoma about four or five months ago, and it was really surprising and sort of out of the blue for us. And um, fortunately, certain types of lymphoma are very highly treatable. And um, my brother-in-law was also diagnosed with lymphoma in his early 30s, mid 30s, which is unusual because it's usually an older person's disease. And he um, was able to get treatment at MD Anderson and was able to get some experimental treatment, um, immuno immunotherapy, and uh, in addition to all the other treatment they did. And he was able to go into remission. So I just, um, it's a cause that's very near and dear to my heart since I've had a couple of family members affected by it. And also because um, it is one of those cancers that I feel like we have so much room to help people recover from it. Yeah. So hopefully by funding research, we can continue to find uh, treatment options. Yes, yes, please, everyone. Uh, one, Aisha, hope your dad um, uh, recovers and feels, feels a sense of health um, that he deserves uh, before all of this happened to him. And I um, want everyone please to go and donate to the Lymphoma Research Foundation. Uh, you mentioned MD Anderson. They've done incredible work in the space of um, cancer research and uh, cancer treatments. But let's please support the Lymphoma Research Foundation. They, they need all the help that we can give them. Um, and you'll see the code come back up in a little bit. So you just take your phone, you snap uh, the QR code, and it'll take you right to the donation page. We want to raise as much money as we can through CM Free. And, um, um, and I want that money to go to Aisha's dad and his treatment and making sure that he gets well. Aisha, it's been amazing catching up with you. I am so thankful. I, I, I remember so vividly, you know, knowing you uh, in junior high when, and when I moved to a very unfamiliar community and I felt like an outsider and you uh, made me feel like a friend. And um, I, I really appreciate that. And I'm appreciative that you came on the show today. And I, I wish you well, and I'm gonna keep track of you. Well, thank you. And you know, I think one thing that I remember about you when we were growing up is that you just had um, a very warm spirit and heart, and you still do. So thank you for having me on. Thanks, Aisha. I, pre I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Everyone, that's a wrap for today's show. Uh, please go check out Aisha's work and then check us out at seeandfreestudio.com. You can subscribe and you can also find us on YouTube and LinkedIn. And you'll be able to find us on Apple Podcasts and a number of other podcast mediums here pretty soon. So come on back and see us. Yeah.